0: This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate. Where real people are doing real
1: estate. Hey everyone, it's Alina Zarian here on Let's Get Real Estate podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, land development with Danielle, and I'm going to talk about a little bit of my background and how I got into land development and how I was able to scale. You don't want to miss this show, and take a listen and enjoy the show.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I am your host, Danielle Chason, and I'm here today with Ali Nazarian. Woo-woo, Ali, how are Ooh. you?
1: Good. Hello, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Beautiful day, and yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Looking Every
0: day to is a beautiful day.
1: <laughs> Every day is a beautiful day when we talk about real estate. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So for those of you who don't know Ali Nazarian, he's in the greater Toronto area. He's a friend of mine. I've recently made uh, acquaintance with him, gotten to know him quite a bit better over the last little while. And um, he's actually spoken in another group that I facilitate. And uh, that's where we connected initially. And what he does is land development and land assembly. And you're actually working on a couple of projects right now. You've got a big raise coming up for another upcoming project, onboarding some partners and just growing. Even in the last little while that I've seen you, you've just really kind of taking it to another level so absolutely love your energy your motivation and your drive and that's why i thought it'd be great to have you on the show and showcase that to my audience and let them know how you go from singles to land development that's a huge huge journey and step for people to take
1: thank you yeah i appreciate that i'm uh uh you know, I'm, I'm humbled that, uh, you know, I've been able to to grow and uh, do bigger things. And uh, it's definitely the power of network. And, you know, people like yourself and and our peers that, that i connected with uh, over the last two years have really, really helped me uh, grow and uh, gave me the courage to do bigger projects, to do capital raises and, uh, and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I know we connected recently and, um, you know, you're an inspiring figure yourself and uh, yeah, just really happy to, to share um, you know, my story with, uh, with your audience and hopefully they'll get some value out of it.
0: So again, in the spirit of the podcast, which is where real people are doing real estate, let's find out a little bit of the history of where Ali came from. So tell us a little bit about your background, because I know you weren't native to Canada, you were born elsewhere, came here as an immigrant. And that is a challenge all in itself that us Canadians don't have to overcome. So tell us a little bit about that. And, and what led you into real estate?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I was born in Iran, um, early eighties. And, uh, yeah, just growing up in a middle-class family, my parents were teachers. And, uh, <clears throat> one thing that I think I was, uh, very blessed with was, uh, my family did a little bit of real estate investing. Like, uh, we, uh, we had a rental and then I kind of grew up dealing with tenants. I've seen, I sometimes joke, I'll say, I've seen the bads and the goods and the uglies, <laughs> uh, you know, dealing with tenants and, uh, and actually one thing that I always say is the principles of real estate is the same, no matter where you go in the world, no matter what time and age you've lived on. If you go back hundred years ago, the principles were the same. And that's why we love real estate. It's a tried and true strategy. It's uh, probably one of the most established, uh, you know, investing vehicles out there. So yeah, growing up around that and, um, I really saw like kind of fast forward <clears throat> decades after I've seen how my parents as teachers like putting their money into basically finishing the house, the second unit in the house and then renting it. And then how that rent helped them with, uh, you know, when we grew up and we we're going to school and whatnot. So I really experienced the benefits of, of real estate. And, uh, and I always wanted to, you know, do that myself and kind of grow that and so um i'm i moved out of um you know iran when i was 20 and i moved to asia specifically malaysia uh to went to go to school and i went to school to become a mechanical engineer um and then i i've worked in uh, you know in the industry lived in malaysia for 10 years. And I sometimes joke that it got too hot there, so I came to Canada to cool off. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I came here, did my master's. I actually lived in Newfoundland uh, for a year when I first arrived here, went to school there, and I loved it. To all my uh, NUFI friends, I love you. I, I miss St. John's, Newfoundland. I was actually meeting with some uh, um, you know, friends from uh, Newfoundland, and there was, uh, we were talking about all the good stories. But through all this while, like I, real estate was always at the back of my mind. And but I, you know, because I was moving from city to city, country to country, it takes a while to learn and understand how things work where you are. Uh, so I had to like basically settle down somewhere. And then when I arrived in Canada, exactly ten years ago in September, uh, I didn't waste any time I started looking into how real estate works here. And I remember the first, the very first. Probably meeting I went to was a I think it was a realtor or a mortgage broker that came to the university and was doing a session for newcomers. And I went there and I tried to you know um, just uh, pick his brain as much as I could. Like, what is credit score? What is like? How does mortgages work here? Like, where do you get the money? <laughs> so uh, that that led to me thinking about it, and then I uh, from there I connected with other people that they were saying that. I remember I had one classmate, like he was working in the in the industry. He was a manager and he was like, oh, I want to own like uh, five houses. And I'm like, why do you want to do that? Uh, why do you need, why are you so greedy? <laughs> but it, didn't, it took a little bit of conversation. It was like, yeah, I'm going to rent them out and do this. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, that's a little bit of like how I got into that. And then when I moved to Alberta eventually in uh, 2014, I um, you know, connected with some friends who were investing in real estate, more like pre-construction and whatnot, kind of learned a little bit from them. And uh, again, like surrounding yourself with people who are in that space and uh, um, learning from them, that was definitely the the big part.
0: So as you're sharing your story, there's a couple of things, two things that I, I kept hearing that kept showing up along your journey it was learn and understand. It was find out more. It was go get the education, get the knowledge. That kept showing up. And then the other thing that kept showing up, you said networking, you said connect with the right people, meet people in the industry. And so like, those are two things that you shared on your story at the very beginning of your journey before you even got into real estate that actually propelled you into real estate would you say that's a true
1: Absolutely statement? absolutely yeah great observation um I'm generally a curious person I ask a lot of questions when I meet someone and if there's one thing for those starting off just be curious don't be shy go and like, if, if you meet someone you, you get 5 minutes of their time just just fire off questions, like ask them, how do they get where they're doing? Why are they doing what they're doing? Um, And uh, yeah, absolutely. And then networking, like finding the people that uh, you like or you kind of see yourself doing what they're doing or you want to be where they are and uh, just try to approach them and and ask questions. And that's absolutely true.
0: Yeah. And actually, you know what, that curiosity is a trait of uh, just about everybody, if not all, of the successful people that I know are curious and ask questions. And that is what leads you to getting the information that you need in order to get the confidence to pull the trigger because you need to know in order to get the confidence. And I think that's kind of the, the kind of the, the thing that drives us to move forward or continue propels us to continue to move forward is once we know and understand something, then we have the confidence to go ahead and do it. But when you don't know, you don't have the confidence and if you don't Absolutely. ask, you're never going to know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, So this is kind exactly. of reverse like engineer.
1: Yeah, fear comes from not knowing something, right? Absolutely. Why are we, you know, sometimes uh, scared of dark? Because we don't know what's there. Mm-hmm. But once you turn the light on, you're not scared anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and in real estate, is no different, right? Going to land development, yeah, sounds scary if you don't know what it is, but... The light that comes on is the education, like you mentioned, and having the right people around you. And um, when sometimes people say, oh, like, you know, they, they see the last two years of my growth, but it really goes back decade, at least, where I started like collecting information and trying to understand how developers work. Like I I was always inspired by when you know when I see a new house being built, a new building being built. Even like when I see a new condo is going up, I'm like, How do people do this? You know, when you think about it, you think about, like, I love Barack Obama. I don't want to get political, but just his journey and like how he got where he is. And I'm like an ordinary person, like you mentioned, on, you know, growing up and challenging life and he becomes president of the United States. And that one person is probably the most powerful person in the world. How does he do that? How does he get there? How does he even manage doing all of all that stuff? So that's, these are the questions that have always been in my mind. And when I see someone is like a large developer and they're like, they have like 10 condo projects going down, on in downtown Toronto, I'm always curious to know about their life and how they started, how did they get there? And uh, I've actually been trying to bring some of those people to like, um, you probably know I have a Facebook group dedicated to land development and uh, we do a monthly meetups. And the guests that I try to bring are actually the, the people that I like to know their story, uh, how they got started, how, how did they grow into that scale that they are now. So you're absolutely right. Being curious is definitely the trait of uh, those who do seem to you know, achieve uh, good success.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned land development. So after you got some, you got curious, you, you got into real estate, you got into real estate on smaller stuff. It's not small by any means right now. You're not adding to your portfolio because you're doing land development. So for those of you who are on the call, listening to this podcast, the land development that Ali is doing. He's doing land assembly mostly and then rezoning it, getting it to its high, highest and best use, getting that land to its highest and best use and selling it to a builder. And so he's not adding to his portfolio anymore because the strategy doesn't necessarily add to your portfolio, but he does have a nice size portfolio with uh, 22 doors Over nine properties, over $6 million um, of assets under management. And now you're doing multiple, multiple um, land assemblies, which obviously that generates cash. That's more of a cash, um, business rather than building into your portfolio, but you're still working on other stuff in the background. Like I see you like wheeling and dealing with other people and partners. I just love that. So always open to new strategies, but let's talk about land development and land assembly right now. Um, and what that entails and what, um, What you need to be doing in order to make that happen. So, you went out there, got some education. How did you like, how did you stumble across your first land development? And how did you know what to do and that it was even possible when you did your first deal?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I would say the first uh, development, so I'll have to separate, like, so there are some confusion. So, when some development like building a house could be considered development like you're taking land and you're building a new house on it that's development the uh, the land play as we call it like you're not actually building anything um, that's a pretty much a, a subset of development in general so my first development was uh, a single-family home with a basement suite in in a small town called Lloyd mr Alberta and how I got to Doing that one was in 2015. Uh, I was living in Edmonton, and Edmonton was actually going through a big transformation. They were rezoning their entire downtown, um, you know, rejuvenating and uh, intensifying that the downtown core, and they were actually putting out a lot of uh, material. Again, being curious, I came across—I can't remember how I came across these materials on the City of Edmonton's website—and I just like, you know went deep into those materials like how does the info development process works what are the applications what do you need to do that and i started again talking to people trying to gather information how much does it cost how does it work and uh, so in 2015 i I was working um, in the industry as an engineer and then oil and gas in alberta went down Our company shut down and we were all let go. So I found myself a lot of time and that's what I really focused on this. I also realized that, hey, I can't count on my day job for my living. Like I can't just, you know, leave my destiny to someone coming to office and say, okay, tomorrow you don't have a job anymore. And uh, so I was like, I always loved real estate. Let's focus on it. And I learned more about development and I was actually trying to pull off a partnership in Edmonton because like, as you know, we have in there are three important things when you're doing projects, knowledge, time and money. So I didn't have much money. Um, I have a little bit of knowledge, uh, but I had a lot of time. So I was approaching people who had the money and the knowledge. And obviously, I wasn't thinking as a structure back then, but it was it was more of a scramble. <laughs> but it, I can summarize it in was trying to find people who had money and a little bit more knowledge and tried to pull off a project uh, that was viable. And I was getting very close to that. And funny enough, you know, when they say salary is a drug they give you to forget your dreams? That's exactly what happened to me. I, I landed a job, and they gave me a job offer in that small city, Lloydminster, at the border of Alberta and Saskatchewan. And I couldn't say no. It was a good offer. It was a good company that I had probably dreamt about uh, years before. And uh, and I took the job, and you know, let go of that you know project I was working on. And uh, so, but I fo- stayed focused on real estate. Uh, I bought a condo in in Toronto, and I actually did uh, like furnished rentals at the time uh, to cover the cost and make make sure I'm not losing money. But then uh, a year later, I was like, so now I have a little bit more money, I have a lot more knowledge, and I have less time, but I can manage that. And there were some uh, city lots available for sale in the city where I was living. There was a new subdivision, but because of the slowdown in the market, there were not as many developers aggressively going after them. So I thought, Hey, this is my opportunity. So I bought a piece of land and, uh, I decided to become my own general contractor. And took the leap of faith. Uh, so I'm an engineer by trade, and uh, I, I've done project management in my day job. So I was like, this is another project that I can manage. And uh, really learning by doing. And I went to the city, and I said, I want to add a a unit in my basement. I didn't realize I was asking for a minor variance at the time. I didn't know all the terminologies. but uh went to them and uh, said like i want to do this and i like okay fill up this form and make an application we'll send letters to the neighbors if nobody complains we'll give you the permit to do that and i did that they send the letters i knew some of the neighbors i talked to them uh some of them my colleagues actually it was a small town and um yeah i got the permit to put a basement in this uh in the uh, a suite in the basement and uh The rest is history. There was a lot of sleepless nights. Uh, It was a very, very steep learning curve, but uh, that's a little bit me. I'm kind of, I'm not that I recommend it to anyone. Don't try this at home, but a little bit of jumping, jumping off the plane and building a parachute on the way down and uh, not hundred percent. I had researched it and I knew how it works, but uh, yeah, to actually doing it, it was different, but also you never actually learn until you do it yourself. And even at the time, I was told to hire a general contractor and kind of learn from them. But I guess I made a decision to be the general contractor myself. I'm like, no, I want to learn it A to Z. I want to see every single thing that happens in there because I want to learn. And that's how I got into development.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think with uh, a lot of people who get into this, they they get out there and they think they have to know and understand everything before they start taking action. And you're a prime example of that. And most people that I do talk to on the podcast, they find out enough to start moving forward but they don't feel the need to learn everything. And so, because you're gonna learn a lot along the way and a lot of this stuff too, if you spend too much time just learning it, by the time you start implementing what you learned way back in the beginning, you're gonna have forgotten about anyway. So you'll retain that information a lot better if you're learning also as you're going. And also Mm -hmm. you'll be able to find success doing that because you're gonna start getting fueled by the successes you have to keep moving forward. A lot of people, I think, get into analysis paralysis, and that's just where they start learning and learning and learning. They're like, no, I don't know enough, and then I need to know more, but you do need to start moving forward in order to get that momentum, start, start seeing the fruits of your labor as well to encourage you to keep moving forward. So, um, you know, you're, you're a prime example of that, of taking action. And I just want to highlight that without taking action, knowledge is only knowledge. And so um, you just get to know something or learn something, but if you're not taking action, you're really not going to understand it at a deep level and you're certainly not going to find success. So I appreciate that. So now let's tell us about this land assembly that you're working on right now.
1: Sure. Um,
0: How did you, how did you find that? And, and what, How did how were you able to identify that a house on a corner lot had a higher value than what was there, which was a house on a corner lot in Calgary? Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, this came about, again, power of network. Um, One of our partners, um, she had a network and there was a listing sent to her. So this is a four lot assembly, so four properties. There was a listing um, for the first two, um, and then she posted in a group that I was part of, uh, mostly, you know, about land development. And uh, she was asking, like, if anybody wants to jump on it and take a look and see if there's an opportunity here. So me loving, you know, land development and uh, all that stuff, I jumped on it, we looked at it, and they we're like, okay, cool. Looks like we can get, um, you know, at like 30, 25, 30 unit apartment building on this uh, land and let's try to negotiate that. So we negotiated that and then it's always like looking at the highest and best use and I'm looking across the street and I see all these towers that have been recently built and I'm thinking to myself, okay, is there anything better we can do? Is there a different way to look at this? And then we notice there are two other houses uh, on that same uh, kind of uh, block And then there is an apartment building right to the south of these uh, two properties. So I put two and two together. The gears start turning in my head. I'm like, hmm, if we get the other two, maybe we can do something bigger. So I contacted a a planner that had done work in the area and uh, ran the idea by them. And they were like, yeah, that sounds like that that should work. And they had experience working with the city. So then we engaged our... uh, a realtor to hunt down the owners of those other properties. And uh, from there, we started negotiating. Um, it was a long, you know, uh, tiring negotiation, especially with the core lot because he knew what the value is and he knew what we can do once we add his lot to the assembly. Uh, but again, that's that comes, uh, you know, where, where you have to negotiate and build that personal relationship with, uh, with the owner and try to get them on board. Uh, in terms of how I knew that this would work, uh, comes a little bit from experience, just uh, analyzing other deals. I had tried other assemblies. I have one in Welland that is actually still ongoing. And I, um, one of one of the owners uh, is emotional and doesn't want to sell. So that one kind of hit a bit of a road bumps. But um, I tried other assemblies and I had analyzed them. So um, that's I guess that's one thing that maybe the, the audience can take away is don't shy away from doing the work and don't feel like, Oh, I did all this analysis. And then the deal, I didn't, I didn't get there on time or if somebody else picked it up. You're always learning. You're, you're never losing. You invest in that. You invest that time. That's just like practice. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you've learned something You move on to the next one. And that was definitely the case because I looked at so many of these potential land assemblies that this one just hit me. I'm like, Am I seeing this right or is this really as good as it seems like? And then from there was just engaging more professionals. Obviously you don't want to just be on your own. You want to engage the professionals who do this uh, for living and verify your initial um, understanding of the opportunity. And then from there we started negotiating and we got the four under contract. And uh, again, engaging with the city council, with the, Uh, with the planners and with other people uh, that had experience in the area to verify that, yes, there's an opportunity. And we realized we should be able to get a a rezoning for a 17-story. And it did sound scary in the beginning. I'm not going to lie. We're like, all of us were like, we have never done anything of this size. But again, to your point, you got to take action. You can't wait until you know everything. Uh, I would say if you know 40, 50%, I would move forward. I will very comfortably move forward if I have 40, 50% of the information. And then I'll try to surround myself with people who, you know, have the knowledge and I can turn to, to get the rest of the information.
0: So there's a couple of things that I really want to unpack there that you highlighted, which I think warrant diving in a little bit deeper one of the things is is that once you started moving forward you realize that hey this isn't going to work out and so you you've had to let go of some deals and so you you thought you saw a vision you said okay i'm going to be all in and i'm going to go for it and then you started diving in deeper and and starting moving the ball forward it can be very disheartening when it doesn't work out. And for a lot of people, this is where they quit, or this is where they say it doesn't work, or this is where they say it's not for me. And so what you're saying I fully, fully agree with, and this is what I tell my students, go walk through property. Like even from the beginning, go walk through property. Maybe the numbers won't work, but it's practice walk through the property, get to learn it, see it, see its problems. Maybe you're going to uncover something that you haven't done before. Mm -hmm. Like there's a problem with the foundation. And so you need to understand that. So dig a little deeper. You're going to learn something from that. When you're doing land assembly, it's the same thing. You're going to talk to the city and then yeah. you're going to talk about that specific project and something may show up that you haven't seen before, but it's not time wasted because it's something that you've learned. You're honing your skill when you're walking through in the process every time. And then exactly. the fun part about that is, is that you get to start seeing things a lot quicker. Over time, you start recognizing Mm -hmm. things like you saw that house in Calgary and went, wait a minute, there's an apartment building across the street. This area is probably zoned to a higher density. And then you were immediately able to recognize the opportunity, which most people wouldn't because they haven't honed their skill. So I think that's really, really important to note. And then the other thing is that what you'd shared about going through the process is that Once you realize that you were going in deeper beyond your skill set is you hired some people to help you along the way. And I think that's a big issue for a lot of us. We tend to have very little trust in others and we think we need to do it all ourselves. And we're the only ones that can do it as good as anybody else or better than anybody else. And those are all absolute lies that we tell ourselves. At the end of the day, you need a team, you need to 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 tap into the professionals that do this every day, whether it's a realtor who can help you with some information that you don't have information uh, access to, or whether it's the city who understands the ins and outs of that specific municipality. Because you don't live in Welland, you don't live in Calgary, so you don't necessarily know all of the rules, right? And so um, talking to the right people is going to help you get the answers that you need to move forward and make the right decisions.
1: Absolutely, those are like really, really great points and great observation. Yeah, on your first point about you know doing something and like you know not getting discouraged, um, I can actually share a story that this was not my first attempt of doing an assembly in Calgary. Early in the year, I did have an assembly under contract. It was two uh, lots next to each other in a great, great location in Calgary. And I was all in, like you are saying. I was like, this is the best. I talked to people, great location. Everything was going great. I even started raising capital for it. I had investors' money in the account. But, and this is also, I'm going to plug in a learning piece. Due diligence is absolutely the most important thing in land development. That is where everything, you know, breaks down or that's everything, everything is made. And so during that due diligence in that project, so I had appraisal done. That was great. We were buying it $100, $100,000 less than the appraised value. Uh, we looked at what we can build on it. Talked to the city. Great. We could build 24, 30 units on that. Talk to an architect. Um, talk to a geotech. They're like, yeah, there's some considerations because we're close to the river, but nothing major. One thing came back couple of days before we had we were to remove conditions and that was the environmental. And uh, we didn't have enough time because we didn't, uh, market was really hot. This was like in January. We didn't, we couldn't get enough time for um, a full environmental assessment, which normally takes about, you know, four to six weeks. Uh, but what I could do that's again, I'm going to plug in another part. Sometimes you need to get creative. I looked at what is around there and city of Calgary has a portal. And I think most cities they do that. You can look at all the environmental assessments submitted to the city and looked around it. I'm like, looks like some of these properties had to do a phase two for those who don't know environmental site assessment, there are multiple phases. Phase one is a desktop review. They just look at the history of the lot. What was there? What was in the surrounding? And then phase two is when they go and actually take samples If in the the phase one, they notice something that is fishy per se. So in this one, we didn't have time. So I just hired the company who didn't phase two environmental assessment on the adjacent lot. And I asked them, they obviously couldn't release the information to me, but I had to pay them to go back to their files and look at it and give me an opinion of if there's something concerning on this site. And they came back and they said, you will likely need a phase two, and there's potentially contamination. It wasn't confirmed, but it was a potential. And I even asked him, like, what if you were to make a bet, what would you bet? And he's like, it's probably 60% clean, but there's like 40% chance that it's not. And I was like, I can't take that risk with the investors' money. If it was my all my own capital, maybe I would take that risk. I still probably wouldn't, because 40% risk, that's too high. Uh, And environmental contamination, it's a major issue in land development. If there's one thing you're taking away from this uh, podcast recording is be very careful with the environmental, especially in larger developments. And so we had to pull the plug. That was a really tough decision to make. At that point, I was about eight grand into lawyer fees and accountant fees and uh, appraisal and environmental and all the engineering. And obviously I had to eat all that cost myself um, and uh, that was a stressful day. I was like, "Do I remove conditions and move forward?" And the seller didn't want to extend the conditional period, and I had to pull the plug. Yeah, it was it was a bit it was a bit of a punch. But like you were saying, it wasn't all money lost. But guess what? When this property came up, came about, I had all the contacts. It took me half a day to send this to all the right people that I had already spent time building relationship with from the previous deal. And that's how we were able to quickly realize that there's a potential here. So to your point, don't feel bad if you spend money doing due diligence on something and you realize it's not what you were hoping it is. Don't get emotional about it. Pull the plug, take your learnings and move on to the next one. You will likely end up using that knowledge. So it's not all, all lost at that point.
0: Yeah. And to your point, it's not just knowledge that you're taking away, but also the contacts that you've,
1: the relationships
0: that you've built, uh, going through each project and potentially, uh, underwriting it and, and seeing the potential and connecting with people at the city and the professionals, uh, the trades that you need to connect with. So I love that. Okay. Real quick, before we go, uh, we're, we're out of time now, but I really want to know from your perspective, what are the pros and the cons of doing development versus doing a single family home or a small multi, for example? Because one is looks very different than the other, but a lot of people are talking about development now. And so I want them to understand what the cons are. There are pros, of course there are, but there are also cons. And so I want people to understand. I want them to, to know what they're getting into and what they're up against. So what would you say are the pros and the cons versus for development versus smaller properties. Absolutely. Top three.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the pros, I think uh, you know, a lot of people know there's less competition that is space. It's changing now, the more people are getting into it, but uh, you know, earlier on uh, there, there was less competition. Um, there's potentially like if you're just doing land play, uh, basically what we call like you just rezone and sell it or, you know, flipping pay, flipping the paper um, one advantage is you're not dealing with you know trades and day in day out construction and whatnot. If you decide to build, um, that's a different story. Um, but in terms of cons, um, I think I alluded to that, that the due diligence is really important. So um, one one thing is uh, the upside is good, but the downside can be big as well. Um, so that's something to be very careful with. Um, it is not to scare anyone off, but make sure you educate yourself in, in development and especially again in due diligence for land development. And um, that's a really important piece. And don't be afraid to spend money on that due diligence because it will save you money down the, down the road. Um, with the with other strategies, like your smaller deals, if you're flipping a single family home, you know, the downside sometimes is not as big. But uh, in land development, that could be, especially if you're doing like a subdivision, like, you know, 10 acres or 20 acres or 100 acres, um, you, you have to be very careful. And uh, the other one is timing. So if you're getting permits, if you're rezoning, if you're getting like site plan approval, um, those, those things can take time. So you got to build that into a pro forma. And uh, always look at the scenario where your approval approval takes longer. For our Calgary project, um, we, after talking to multiple people, the average time that we got was like about 8 to 10 months to get the approval. But we are telling our investors 12 to 15 months, and our you know, performa we actually run it up to two years. Um, and that's just to have that buffer for the time that it takes. Because approval risk, as they call it in land development, it's uh, it's a major, um, it's, it's the main concern that you need to be careful with. Uh, and also some additional costs. Sometimes cities, when you go to get approvals, they'll ask you to do a whole bunch of studies that may not always make sense. So make sure you build that into your budget as well. And talk to the professionals. I would highly recommend... Working with someone, a planner or consultant who has done it in that same area, even the same neighborhood, because there are some things that are specific to one neighborhood that there might be like, like in Welland, there are a lot of backfield canals uh, from the old times. And, you know, if I'm doing, if I'm doing something where I live in Richmond Hill, I may not need to do a geotechnical study as part of my due diligence when I'm still conditional, but if I'm in Berlin, I'll have to do that because I don't know what's underground, if if the soil is even suitable for building anything on it. And that's, again, like you got to talk to the people who are local to that area, just because your buddy, you know, from a school in a different city is a geotechnical engineer, doesn't mean that he can give you an opinion for something, you know, across the country. So just be careful with the with the due diligence make sure you surround yourself with the right people consultants and uh and you will be fine
0: yeah and i think it's really important what you just said too is to hire professionals in that area because then they know that market they know that the geography there they know the the little quirks because every market has its own little thing. Sometimes it's open to flood zones. Sometimes it's old canals. It, it could be anything um, that we wouldn't know about being there. So that's where you start leaning a little bit on the professionals. But if you bring a professional from Toronto to do something in Calgary or Welland yes. even, which is closer, it still may not be good enough. So having somebody more local to that area is uh, very smart indeed. So I want to thank you so much. You did say something else to Ali during that last little bit about learning and doing your due diligence. It's harder to do your due diligence when you don't know what you're doing and to network with people. You said even talk to developers in that area. Uh, but you have a Facebook group you mentioned to earlier if people yep. wanted to join, so they can connect with other developers and potential developers and learn what are the things that they would maybe need to look into to do their due diligence, how would they connect with you? What's the name of the Facebook Absolutely.
1: group? So Facebook group is called Housing Developers and Builders of Canada, Wonderful. HDBC. It's a long name, but yeah, HDBC, Housing Developers and Builders of Canada, yep. uh, or if you connect with me on Facebook, Alina Zarian. Um, and then I can, uh, I can invite you to the, to the Facebook group and we do monthly meetups where, like I said, I'll bring guest speakers who are uh, typically established developers or builders to share some knowledge and then we do some networking. There's some deal presentations and business updates and opportunity to connect with other people.
0: And I'm in that Facebook group as well, guys. You'll find me in there. And I've actually been to one of Ali's meetups. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. Now that COVID is starting to be in the rearview mirror a little bit, uh, we're getting out in person again. I think that was one of the first events that you've had in a while, Ali. And so it was really great to have that. And I thank you for hosting that and inviting me as well. Um, so yeah, so there's other ways you can connect with Ali. We'll have it in the show notes, but if you want to connect with Ali with 30 minute consultation call, it's calendly.com forward slash Ali Nazarian forward slash 30 minute, 30 M I N. Uh, also, um, the name of his company is Eco Lux Development. So you can look at him, look at, look him up there. And of course, all the other information will be in the show notes. So, um, if you're driving don't stress. You don't need to write anything down. It will be in the show notes when it is safe for you to look it up. So I just wanted to say again, thank you, Ali. Thanks for sharing all of your insight. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and share with the audience for everybody who wants to potentially go into development or think that they can't because they don't have, you know, they weren't born like Donald Trump with a silver spoon in their mouth to like get launched them and get them there. It doesn't matter where you come from. You can get there as well. So this is Danielle Chason on the Let's Get Real Estate podcast, where we share real people doing real estate.